You do the teaching. You do the ministering today through us. Speak to our hearts. Fill us with your presence. Without you, we could do nothing. But we thank you that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us today. We magnify your name. Let your word come alive in our hearts, in our very beings, in our minds, in our very souls. And we'll be careful to give you all the glory, the honor, and the praise in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And amen. You may take your seats in the presence of God. Hallelujah. When God asks us a question, it's not that he doesn't know the answer. When he asks us a question, he's actually trying to get some understanding to us. He's, he's wanting to get us to see something that we have not hitherto seen. When he asked Adam, where are you? He wasn't asking where he was. He was saying, Adam... You're out of place. You're out of order. And you need to get back in order. So what are you doing there? Where in the world are you? You're not in your proper place. And as a good father, he does that to all of his children. Many times you have sensed that. When you're out of order, the Holy Spirit speaking deep in your heart. My son, my daughter, where are you? In other words, why are you so out of order? Why are you uh, just getting further and further away from my presence? Don't you remember that it's in my presence that you have wisdom in my presence that you have safety? It's in my presence that you have the full manifestation of who you are in me? And just as God the Father watches over us and protects us and is constantly just fussing over us, He created natural and spiritual families and fathers and mothers in the local church. He calls men, imperfect men, imperfect women, to do the same, to help sons and daughters both natural and spiritual. And that's the greatest ministry we can have, is just to be there. It's not just a one-time thing. It's not like some of these big-time names come in and they blow in, blow up, and blow out. You know what I'm talking about? Wow, the man of God is coming into town and like five million people show up and everybody has a great time. And then he's gone. Think about it. It's happening all the time. Some of us go to get edified and to just get that little, little extra dose of, you know, and it's fun, it's great. But what happens when he is gone? What happens when she is gone? You've got the local house. You've got the local church. You've got the local fathers and mothers that are doing the hard work. It's easy to come in and blow in and blow up and blow out. But it's hard to be there every single week, week in and week out. When you're in the mood... When you're not in the mood. You parents know what I'm talking about. Hallelujah. And the same thing spiritually. God hasn't called you just to preach at them and just say, have a nice life. You came to Jesus, repeat it after me. I love God. I'm saved. Amen. Okay, you're saved. Now go have a great Christian life. No. Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations. There's a big difference. You know, get them to say the sinner's prayer or... Disciple them. The word disciple means to tutor them, to instruct them, to put them alongside of you and walk with them until they're fully grown. That's a lot more responsibility. You know, when you have a... Um, uh, when I was a child, I went to the Fresh Air Fund. And that was a lot of fun because for two weeks I had mentors and, and, and we did a lot of fun things. Fresh Air Fund. I'll never forget it. But after two weeks it was over. 
But what happens if one of those would have stayed with me for the next two years, three years, and helped me and give me a slap upside my head every time I want to leave school or and just mentor me and put some money, in me, not in my pocket, but in my account so I could go to college or something like that? Wouldn't that have been a big difference? That's what discipleship is. And God places fathers and mothers, spiritual fathers and spiritual mothers, in the local house. Because it says in the word, a good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. And by that type of thinking, it's not that you raise up children. But when you see your children teaching their children, that's when you've done a good job. Think about it. Can you hang around long enough so your children are teaching their children the same thing? The same godly principles and precepts. Hallelujah. And another thing, loving spiritual and natural parents are not jealous of their children when the children grow up and they excel even beyond them. I was talking to Elder Jose the other day about uh, an incident in scripture where you had King Ahab, he's looking from his mansion and he's looking out and he sees a garden not so far from his palace. And it was a palace of a very poor man. And this man, he had a nice little vegetable patch, patch which was given to his, by his father and grandfather and so on and so forth. So he said, oh, I want that. I want to plant vegetables there. Meanwhile, he's the king. He can have anything he wants. But no, he fixes his eyes on that little thing, a little patch of this man, a poor man. But he had that patch. We would tend to that patch. He had a nice and pretty. Have you ever gone, you know to the communities, and you see, this house is ugly, this house is nasty, this house is decrepit. Wow, look at this. Have you, have you ever seen that? Because in the same block, it's about ten houses, nine of them all broken down, but there's a jewel in the middle. You could tell that person really fusses over their house, and they put everything in place, and you got dead grass, messed up grass, destroyed grass, weeds, weeds, weeds. Then a whole patch is all green with nice grass. Have you ever seen that? You could tell the difference, and what's the difference there? The people that live there, they take care of it. And it just seemed that this particular patch was so well taken care of. So the king looked at it and said, well, I want that. So he goes over to the guy. He says, I want to buy your land. He says, oh, my king, uh, this is all I have. It was given to me as a gift from my father. I can't give it. can't give it up. So the king goes back and he pouts. And he goes to his chamber and he pouts. So his wife Jezebel, yeah, that was his wife, Jezebel, she goes up to him, what's the matter, my king? <laughs> nah, nah, this man won't give me his garden. I was willing to give him a good price for it. Who was it? The man over there. She looks over and she sees him. No problem. My king, I'll take care of business. She accuses this guy, gets some false accusations, br- brings him to court, and not only do they find him guilty, they assassinate him. And they take the land and give it to the king. So now the king's all happy. Well, you know the end of the story of Jezebel. On that very land, she died. And there was a prophecy, a sharp prophecy against her and against that king. They did not have a good ending. But here's the thing. Shouldn't little plots of land next to these great houses have protection? They should be the most safest because they're next to the king's house. How in the world is this guy going to be killed if he's next to the king's house? Shouldn't he be protected? Shouldn't, Shouldn't he feel safe? His very leaders helped to assassinate him. The point, the point, when a person comes to a local house, they should feel safe. They should feel protected. And we all should do what we can to make sure that person is nurtured, not assassinated. Hallelujah. 
So a good father and mother will make sure they protect their children when they're close to them and, and even extend that covering as far as they can, as far and wide. Are you praying for the little ones? Are, are, are you fasting for the little ones? That is what goes on in active ministry. It's like God puts a burden on the heart of a leader and that person starts fasting and praying and it's almost like if they were their own natural children. Just, I mean, they, they fuss over them and they get angry when they mess up. And, and what's, what does this church think they are? They're loving you like parents because they want you to be all that you're called to be in Christ. Hallelujah. Another thing that children can tend to do, have you ever held up your children and put them on your shoulders? You know, there's a march and, and there's about five million people there and you can't see my little child down there. Daddy, daddy, mommy, put, put me on your shoulders. So suddenly we do that, we put them on the shoulders and now the child has a different perspective. They have the perspective from their parents. So now they could see far beyond and they could get that future glimpse of what it is to be a parent. That's how it ought to be. Can somebody say Amen. Is anybody in agreement with me here? Glory to God. Another thing about spiritual parents and natural parents is some are lids and some are coverings. And there's a difference between a lid and a covering. A lid will keep you down. A covering will release you to be all that you can be and give you protection while you're going through the process and growing up. Hallelujah. I don't want this ministry to be a lid. I want us to be able to release those future leaders and to allow them to be all that they're called to be, to resource them as they're growing up and to just be there. If it's just for good prayer, if it's just for good talk, if it's just for a pat on the back, amen. And that's what we need to understand. And God's bringing that spirit back to the church because... In Malachi, it says that if that anointing of the fathers don't get returned to the sons and the sons back to the father, there's a curse that gets released in the land. And we see because of the lack of honor uh, among fathers and sons, uh, among parents and their children, uh, the, the sons are, are looking for other families. And they're, family, they're finding the other families. They're fin finding gangs, pseudo families. And they're in prison. And it all comes from a dishonor mentality. A lack of honor, a rebellion, or a lack of love in, in the home, or getting connected to the wrong family. So we need to allow that spirit, uh, that, that father, that mother, uh, of, of that, that love to be manifest today in the church. Is it hard work? Yes. Is it sacrifice? Absolutely. Is it going to take you uh, much further than you've got, ever gone before? Absolutely. Uh, is God going to call you to minister when you're not in the mood? Yes. Is God going to get glorified? Absolutely. And this will be the difference between one generation ministry and multi-generational ministry. Right now, many of the fathers are in their 60s, in their 70s, in their 80s, and they haven't even identified sons and daughters yet. They feel they have to be there each and every day. They're dragging themselves to the altar. Oh, amen. You praise God. Praise Him for me because I can't praise Him anymore. Do dance, because I can't dance anymore. No, it shouldn't be that way. In the Old Testament, the priests at age 50, they would cease to do the front end activity and back off and allow the sons and daughters to start to do ministry. And what they would do, they would give them advice. They would encourage them. They would propel them into ministry. Glory to God. And that's what we need to understand in this day. Where do we find it? We find it in the house. We find it in the local church. And who tells them about it? It's ministers. 
ministers of reconciliation. People that love God and love whom God loves. And whom does God love? He loves the world. He loves the gangbanger. He loves the prostitute. He loves the doctor and the lawyer. Amen. He loves the businessman and the businesswoman. He loves the, the corrupted syndicate. He loves the Jew. He loves the Christian. He loves the Hindu. He loves the Muslim. He loves them all. Hallelujah. And he wants to be connected with his creation. And we need to start thinking different in this day. I don't know if you've been watching the news lately. But our, but our United States of America is changing very quickly. And we need, we're going to need to change some of our pet cows and, you know, some of our pet uh, religious thoughts. And we're going to have to start extending the love of God. We'll preach to him. We'll preach to him. We'll preach to him. We'll preach to him. Look. Hallelujah. In the midst of this, God is speaking to the church. And we need to get back to that, that the heart of God. And it's found in the local house. Note, part of God's blessing to Abraham was giving him a location. A place where they could gather together and worship. He said, I'm going to make your name great. And I'm going to give you a place. A locale. And you know, it's interesting because Abraham, or Abraham later on could not plant in the new land he had. Or rather, he could not plant the seed until he had a place. In other words, he had a lot of seed, a lot of potential, but until God gave him the place, he could not release that seed. He could not release that, that the gifting or whatever else he had. So he said, I'm going to make your name great. I'm going to make you great. But it was for a purpose. It was a responsibility. Your sons and daughters, you're going to teach them, and you're going to multiply. You're also going to multiply my knowledge. So there's responsibility when God increases you. There's seed that you're going to plant, and God's going to give you locales. He's going to give you people. It might be here. It might be also uh, in Queens. It might be in Santo Domingo. It might be in Puerto Rico. It might be in South Central America. It might be in Africa. It might be in India. Wherever it might be, God will increase us for the, the, the purposes of touching more and more sons and daughters. So are you ready? Let me give you a couple of points about uh, this local church and about this, the power of this ministry. Because the reason we need to know that is the level of recognition and honor we have among ourselves is the level of effectiveness we'll have. How many of you love the ministers in this house? How many of you love each other in this house? Are you aware that your level of love for each other and the unity that you work in will determine the level of effectiveness? I don't think so. You didn't get that one. Some people, about three or four people went, that doesn't, doesn't convince me. Little unity equals little power. Big unity equals big power. Didn't David, under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, say... Beloved, look how powerful and how good it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. And then he said it's there that life is released, even life forevermore. So the level of unity determines the level of anointing and the level of life. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Another thing about this local church thing is in every church, say with me, every church, every local church has great people, 
has visitors, has guests, but they also have problematic people. People that are going through processes in their life that are very difficult. Isn't that true? At least in the churches down in the other community. In here, not a one. You guys have got it together. (laughs) But the beauty about this, as we start training sons and daughters, we're able to start to deal with the one person with an issue, then with two, then with three. So there is a greater ability each and every day, each and every month, each and every year, to be able to minister to more and more problems and issues that arise. And then we learn the discernment factor. How many of you love the discernment? It's awesome that when you look at somebody, I'm not talking about looking at their clothing. Because some people, they look at the clothing and they want to judge based on the clothing. They want to judge based on a person maybe made a smirk. Oh, that smirk is out of order. Hmm, that, person, that person has a spirit of this, 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 and that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, you, I've seen them. Meanwhile, it was that the person had a little agita. That's all it was. So, so, oh, something's wrong. Yeah, too much spaghetti. That's all it was. Don't read more than it is. (laughs) So, So we learn. And then, watch this. In some cases, there are people who come to church to do harm. And, and we learn together as a church community how to even identify that and put safeties and then teach others about those very safeties so that we won't get caught. There are people that come to church to scam, to steal, to rob, to kill, and destroy. Doesn't it sound like somebody's uh, job description? <laughs> yeah, some people come to church, they're devils. And I'm talking with horns and red and, you know, hot sauce. No, I'm not talking about that. <laughs> But their philosophies are to do harm. And so if we don't learn to deal with the one, how are we ever going to learn to deal with the 50 or the 100? Because the greater the churches grow, the more numbers come in, the more devils. The more problems, the more issues. How do you spell spell ministry? Problems. How do you spell ministry? Dealing with issues. Oh, I want to be a minister. I want to, I want to be just like pastor, just like minister. Wow, they, look at them. They get all the glamour. Yeah? You really think? (laughs) You really think that? You are deceived, sir or (laughs) ma'am. Ministry is hard, grunt work. But how do we learn it? It's in church. And the local church, several things about the local church. It's a beacon. First thing about the local church, it's a beacon, a beacon of light. Aren't we called light of the world, salt of the earth? You know what I love about salt, besides the fact fact that it tastes good? (laughs) Is if you put a little salt in the center of your plate, you have your food there, and then you mix it around, the whole batch gets affected by the salt. It's not just the center. Mm, Salty. Mm, mm, mm. Bland, bland, bland. No, you mix it around, the whole thing becomes salty. We have an ability to affect every single arena that we involve ourselves in. And bring glory to God. And so we know salt. Salt preserves. Salt gives flavor. Amen. Thank God you're at that job. Because if you weren't at that job, it would probably be falling apart. Because you're adding spice. And you're adding life to it. And you're you're adding discernment. And you're praying over it. And and that boss, he might be bad, but he would have been worse if you weren't there. 
Thank God for salt. And the other thing about light, I love light because we take light for granted. And I was thinking about it the other day, and, and the Lord brought me back to, to my electronics class. He says, isn't light specific beings being put under so much pressure that they have to move? Think about it. A light bulb, you look inside, it has a filament of metal or steel, tungsten steel or something similar. And electricity passes through it to such a degree that it gets red hot. You know what's actually happening? At a molecular level or submolecular, electrons are being bombarded. If you take a piece of wire or, or steel, piece of steel, and you pass a magnet across it like that, at a molecular level inside the steel, the electrons are going crazy. One is hitting the other, is hitting the other, is hitting the other. That's what ends up happening. That's what electricity is. What they do to make a motor, they take steel into little bits of wire, wrap it around several tens of thousands of times or hundreds of thousands of times, and then they pass um, magnets around it. Thank you. And how do they do it? They put magnets on the sides of the motor, and in the center, there's this thing that goes around. That's wire. And they continually pass by metal, or rather by the um, magnets. So it continues to excite the electrons at a very sub-molecular level. So the electron is there, chilling, in this little universe. And suddenly the other electron comes, come on, we got to go, boom, and pushes them. Wow, wow, wow. And they push the other one, they push the other one. So if you could see at a sub-molecular level, you see them going crazy, pushing each other to a particular direction. And the more electricity you put on, the more hot it gets. So we're the light of the world. How does your light shine? Usually it doesn't happen while you're sitting down chilling at home, watching La Novelita. It usually happens when crises arise. You get that phone call, oh my God, oh my God, look what happened. Now suddenly, put La Novela. Hey, I got an answer for you, DVR. You put the DVR, yeah, thank God for technology, and you go take care of business. But here's what happens. Ministry pushes you beyond your normal limits. It pushes you many times beyond what you even think you're able to do. So in order to be light, you have to be on fire. In order to be on light, there's a lot of pressure that digs deep into you, and that's when your light shines. But here's the problem. Most human beings think that problems and crises are bad. They think that any type of pressure is a bad thing. So any pressure that comes to your life, you go, oh, that's ridiculous. Why is the pastor going to make me do this? Why is this ministry director going to make me do this? It's ridiculous. Don't you say I have a job? I've heard you. I've heard you. You said it. You told me that. Oh, it's ridiculous. I can't be doing that. Yeah, that's exactly what God puts us and he puts us in this vice grip where a lot of pressure and suddenly while you're out there you're complaining as you go <laughs> but, but now you're starting to shine you're starting to be the light of the world <laughs> hallelujah another thing about the local church and about ministers and ministries is this is the place where sons and daughters can become strong oak trees I'm not interested and getting paper-thin Christians. That for any little thing, ah, and they fold. I want strong oak trees. Anybody here deal with politics? 
You have to be an oak tree to be a politician, right? Because all the criticisms that they get, I mean, they get on TV, he's a nutcase, basket case, liar. I mean, meanwhile, you have to stand in front of TV and say, I still want your vote. <laughs> meanwhile, there's an ethics investigation, you know. <laughs> You're wanted in 20 countries, you know. <laughs> I mean, it's amazing, but yet they take it. But yet I find so many Christians. You said what? No, you didn't. You didn't say that about me. Oh, that's it. I'm leaving that church. That church is nasty. They said this about me. And you can't take the pressure. What in the world's going on with Christians today? No, no, no. God is building up strong oak trees in the house of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The local church is also the place where we learn to come into agreement. My God, I've never seen such a whining generation. We're offended at everything and we want to sue because the coffee is above 119.9 degrees. I mean, I'm amazed. They want to sue because I prayed in the name of Jesus. They want to sue and they want to this and everybody's complaining. Have you noticed that lately? Everybody's offended. The only one that's not offended is me. How in the world could everybody be offended? It's a sad situation. But yet disagreement is the place of powerlessness. That's why the enemy has us this way. He has us this way even in local churches where we don't agree with each other. Well, I want to do ministry this way. Well, I don't care. I want to do ministry this way. Well, I want to do it this way. Well, later for you. You do your thing. I do my thing. Meanwhile, that isn't in the same department. And there's only like two people in the department. <laughs> we're in trouble if we allow that mindset to overtake us no the local church needs to, play, uh, to be the place of agreement and the spiritual fathers and mothers have got to be in agreement so that the sons and daughters can see the same thing years ago we used to have a, a play where the father and mother would get together and they would talk and then they would fight and, and, and then they would leave and then the son's sitting there just looking and they say let's, 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 let's just do, let's play and then they would play daddy and mommy and you know what they would do? Invariably, they would get into arguments. Just like daddy and mommy were doing it. Well, it, it's true. What they see is what they will do. They will repeat that very thing. So we need to become the place of power. Local church also needs to become the place, because the world needs us to be, is a place of clarity, where the wisdom of God comes forth. Where people could really assimilate who they are in Christ. Hallelujah. We need to understand what God is saying to us. So we need ministers to be able to break down the word in, in, in bite-sized nuggets so that the, they could feed the children little by little. Vente, niñito, vente, vente. eso es. Yeah, I mean, I, it's amazing how you guys get all, when a child shows up. Meanwhile, you're prune face all week long. But come before a, 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 a new child, you're like, <laughs> I'm serious. So I, I got to get my iPhone and use it. Take some pictures of you when you get before a child. And as soon as you finish it, like, yeah, what's up? Get over here. One, three minutes. Let's go. Come on. <laughs> but yeah, before a child. Because that's the way it's supposed to be. We're supposed to feed our children. What? Food that's going to be good for them so they can grow up healthy and strong just as an oak tree. 
The church is a place where the door should be open. Someone in our local fellowship has an answer for somebody that's outside looking in. There's an answer here. There are many answers. And our doors need to be open. And there are many churches that the doors are closed. No, the door is open out there, but as soon as they come in, they feel like if it's closed. You know why? Nobody talks to them. Nobody welcomes them. So it looks like there's a sign outside that says, no vacancies available. Because they'll come in and they'll never feel a part of it. That's got to change. Fathers and mothers have got to welcome. Just like God welcomed us, we were not children of God. He welcomed us, even as foster children, and he grafted us unto the vine. Now we are natural children because we're grafted, but before we were not. So we in the same spirit, you see somebody that might not look like you, might not talk like you. How do you talk today? Well, bless God. God is good. Amen. Hallelujah. You know, sometimes I work. I have to be careful. Because sometimes I'll tell my boss, yeah, amen, amen. amen." I mean, yeah, of course we'll do it. Absolutely. (laughs) Because now I'm so used to my Christianese. But yet they'll first come in, they'll come, yeah, you know what I'm saying? And you're going, huh? What? <laughs> We're not used to that anymore. It's not, it's not our nature anymore. But we have to have patience and bring them in. And come on, here, let's learn. You don't need to use that word anymore. Now, we, let me give you ten words that can replace that one word, okay? <laughs> ten words I'll give you. The local church is a place where we can sow seeds seeds. Uh, there's treasure in this place. Say to your neighbor, you've got treasure. And that's a place, glory to God, where, where, where there are so many seeds. So we learn to plant them. And, and it should be a place that's always ripe with, with, with life and, and with variety and with creativity. Amen? I mean, the worst thing in the world is to be in church that no creativity is allowed. I'm excited about this house. I'm excited. I was, I was uh, over in Vermont biking and hiking. And yet I could get on my computer and listen to the messages. That was fun. Didn't preach it exactly the way I preached it, but that's exactly what I want. I want to see the diversity. I learned a little. Oh, that's a good verse. I I love it. And I was in Vermont. We're using technology. We're using creativity. And there's so much more to be used. I I look forward to the day. And just the day before yesterday, I was thinking about it. One camera right there. One camera right there. And one camera right there. One looking at the minister who's ministering. Another one looking at you there. Another one looking at you over there. Right? And roving. A roving camera. So I could go around. Why? So that if somebody's in a a prison, or somebody's in a hospital, or somebody couldn't make it to the church, they could go to the website, and they could enjoy the service. And they could be ministered to. And not only will they see the preacher, they'll see that person lifting up their hands. They'll see that other person saying, Amen, glory to God. Hallelujah. Then I want to take those cameras and go mobile. I want to go to the communities. And some of you put together some of these movies, you know. Put them also on the website. Create conferences so that others can also learn the same thing. Are we ready for that? I think we're getting there. I think we're getting there. Creativity. Place of clarity. Uh, the doors being wide open. Place of sowing seeds. Hallelujah. One time, Jesus told Peter, Peter, I know you've been fishing all night long. However, having said that, I want you now to throw the net on the other side because you were actually in the wrong place and you were sowing it in the wrong place. But now I want to get you back into correct relationship with your business. And isn't it interesting? When he threw 
the net on the right side, suddenly he got back into divine order. Suddenly he saw something he hadn't seen before. And that, what is his net? that, and that is, his nets were breaking and bursting because there was so much harvest. We've been throwing our nets in the wrong place. But now, as people throw the nets in the right side of the ship, they're going to come into an awesome relationship. They're going to come into an awesome fellowship. There are people right now that we haven't touched, and we thought we were not going to be able to. But in the coming days, we're going to throw our nets again. And, I mean, I appreciate this place. I love this place. And look around you. Isn't it beautiful? It's great. But you know there are thousands upon thousands upon thousands that we need to reach. There's not enough place here. So in the coming days, we're going to get into right relationship with Almighty God because many of us have been out of order. We've been focusing on ourselves. We've been focusing on our issues. And God wants us to get beyond that and be able to touch all those that are almost there. They just need a nudge from you. They need for you to get electrified so you can electrify somebody else. And let them get into right relationship. Let them get into right partnership. Let them get into right stewardship. Let them get into right relationship with Almighty God and with a local house. Amen? Come on, praise Him. Hallelujah. And lastly, the local fellowship is a place where ministers come up and they restore honor. Say with me, honor. Honor is very important because honor is the place where you get the next material for your promotion. Dishonor is the baseline for loss. It's the baseline for loss. That's when you start. When you start getting to a place of dishonor, that's when you start losing your stuff. No one, absolutely no one, could create with dishonor what they later on will be able to control. Whatever you create with dishonor, later on it will come to bite you. On the flip side, what you create with honor cannot be created with titles, cannot be created with influence, cannot be created with maromas. You know what maroma is? Somersaults. And in the, in the slang, it's when a person tries to get over. Schemers, Right? So many people, they try to scheme their way into success. But that's dishonor. Hmm? Okay, anglers. Yeah, come from this angle. And they try to create positions for them. And meanwhile, that will eventually fail. Because dishonor is the base for loss. Ruth honored Naomi. What ended up happening to her? Timothy honored Paul. And what happened with uh, with Timothy? Do you understand? Whereas we look at men and women who dishonored in Scripture other leaders, and their end was loss. Honor is the great amplifier. Dishonor is the great destroyer. And when we come to a local house like this, the ministers come alongside us and start teaching us honor. They start teaching us respect. They start teaching us the principles of Almighty God, the principles of promotion. You know when I was promoted? when I was able to endure one of the most difficult people in my life. I'm serious. I'm absolutely serious. I had a guy went to a job, and this man was in his 80s. And he had nothing to do. Nothing. He was retired, and he lived in the building. And they made him part of the board. Huh. He became my supervisor. Every single morning at 7.55 in the morning, he'd show up in my office, wait outside my door. My job started at 8. He was there at 7.55. So as soon as I came in, Mr. W., 
he would walk into my office, sit down, he would open up a book. And what I didn't know about him, later on I found out he was a master manager, a master efficiency expert. So what he started doing, he started telling me, okay, since I am chairman of the house committee, um, I want to talk to you about things happening in the buildings. I manage buildings. And he would talk to me about the chewing gum that was on the floor in the 54th Street side of Sutton Place. About the one um, cigarette butt that was on the 55th Street side. On the 8th floor, there was one speck of hair on the carpet. One smudge on the carpet. Every single day for three and a half years. Except Saturdays and Sundays. Are you getting it now? So he come over every single morning, Monday morning. Mr. N, did you take care of point number one, number two, number three, number four, number five, number six? He had 11 to 13 to 15 points. And he was 81 years old and he never forgot a thing. Because he was an efficiency expert. So I had to learn how to walk with, work with lists. And every once in a while I forget them. <sighs> Mr. N... This is the third reminder of point number eight, section two, three, four, five. So after a while, I, I must confess, I lost my patience. So in my nice, nice way, I was very polite about it. I said, Mr. W, may I speak to you off the record? Sure. Okay. Sir, I'm offended at you. Oh, I'm offended because I've done one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, and you never say thank you, and you never appreciate it, and you never even recognize it. But yet the one thing you'll make a big deal out of. Why? What's what's going on with you? Aren't you aware I have to also take care of the other board members? I have to take care of the managers? I have to take care of 150, 189 um, residents plus 30 employees? He looked at me. You finished? I said, yeah, good. Back to point number four. <laughs> now, when, when finally I got shifted, I went to another assignment or whatever it may be, I said, good, I don't have to deal with this guy anymore. Wow. You know, after a while I started missing him. Weirdest thing in the world. It was there that I learned more than I ever learned before. It was there that I was taken out of my comfort zone and I realized that you don't grow in your comfort zone. You don't grow when people around you saying, yes sir, yes sir, yes sir, yes sir. They just give it their yes people. You're not going to grow there. You're going to grow when people point it out, when they give you a hard time, when they don't give you a break, when you don't get away with it. And when you come to the house of the Lord, you're going to find fathers and mothers say, um, you know, I notice you haven't been praying. So, it's no good. Scripture says this and this and that. We want to see you prosper. What happened to you last Sunday? I was tired. What do you mean tired? Give me your phone number. Give me your phone number. Come on, give me your phone number. I'm going to call you next Sunday. I'm going to come pick you up. (laughs) Yes, that's what happens. And you know what, what, what invariably happens? You get offended. You get angry. Who do they think they are? They're nothing to me. Nothing. Oh, yes, they are. They're spiritual fathers and mothers. And God has called them to come alongside of you to teach you honor and respect. Because at the end of the day, when they're not there anymore, and you're standing on your own two feet, 
You're going to have enough honor and integrity already built in you that you're going to be able to stand the test of time. Hallelujah. And most of you won't know it while you're going through the process. But when you become the supervisor, when you become the boss, when you become the spiritual daddy and mommy, then you will realize the value of the honor and the integrity that was instilled in you way back when. Let's say thank God for spiritual daddies and mommies. Because of that, the church becomes a great birth canal where people, sons and daughters are born. Jesus, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, he's a loving and wonderful king, a loving and wonderful almighty God. And the gates of hell will never prevail against the church. Never prevail against the church, nor against its citizens. So we thank God for the spiritual mothers and fathers. We thank God for the ministers. We thank God for those preachers. We thank God for the preachers that are up and coming. We thank God for those who are willing to take the pressure. We thank God for those that when they're rebuked, they come back next week. Yeah. We thank God for them. I've said this before, but for the sake of those that haven't heard me, one time one of the young men came up to me and said, Pastor, I want to learn from you. I said, sure, okay. I want you to tell me what's wrong with me. What, what, what do I need? I said, I don't think you're ready for that yet. Just, let's just continue, you know, loving God, kumbaya, you know. That's, that's where you're at right now. Come on, let's just let's celebrate. You're not ready for that yet. No, no, Pastor, I want to know. I want to know what's, what's you know, speaking to my life. I said, you're not ready for that yet. No, 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 you can do it. Come on, I want to grow. All right, fine. You need to do this. You need to stop doing this nonsense. You, st- you need to stop the nye, nye, nye. You need And I just went on. I said, well, these are the four things. Can we start with that? He went, Pastor, how can you talk to me like that? I says, well, you asked me. You asked me to take you to that level, so let's go for it. He left that very week. Never came back. Couldn't take it. I told him he couldn't take it. But I thank God when they do come back. And as long as they keep on coming back, I know they're growing, getting stronger and stronger, becoming strong oak trees in the house of the Lord. Amen? Praise the Lord. So I want you to bow your heads with me this moment. And I want to ask you a couple of questions. With your eyes closed and your heads bowed. Where are you in your walk with the Lord right now? Are you allowing yourself to be mentored? Is God putting you through uh, the, the process of becoming light and salt? Remember, in order for salt to be effective, you have to shake the bottle it's in and forcibly kick it out into its place of influence. Salt doesn't come out on its own. It needs to be forced out. <laughs> Are you being forced right now by the Holy Ghost? Are you being kicked into action? (laughs) Are you complaining right now? Lord, what are you doing? All all this pressure. I never had all this pressure. When I wasn't part of the church, I never had it. I, I never had this type of pressure. Is that your cry to God right now? Could it be that God is activating you, the greatness within you? Could it be that you're ready now to start to take the pressure? Could it be that he's seen that potential in you and he's mobilizing you? Oh yeah, he's mobilizing us. 
So, Father, I pray for your people this moment. Those that are just coming into the kingdom. Those that have been part of the kingdom of God for a long time. And for those that are just coming in, I pray that you grant them great strength to be able to not just endure the process of mentorship and discipleship and the dealings of God, but, Lord, that they might understand it. That even though they might not understand the specificity of why they're going through it right now, but they understand that somewhere along the line, you're growing them up. You're making them stronger. And, Father, for those who have been laboring for a long time and and have weakened hands and weakened knees and I've said Lord I don't know how much longer I pray oh God for a fresh infusion of your Holy Spirit of the power and the grace of God to come upon them to fill them to fill their hearts to fill their very souls Father pray empower us once again let the joy of the Lord flow once again let your spirit flow like never before oh God take us to that next level of passion that next level of service that next level of of, of vision my father that we might see what you are doing in this day glorify your name I pray and we'll be careful to give you all the glory the honor and the praise stand up with me a moment lift up your hands in the presence of God and you right there just say Lord fill me once again with your presence fill me with your presence fill me with the joy of the Lord Come on, ask Him. He'll do it right there. He'll do it. Whatever weariness, Father, replace that with new strength. Any disappointments, Father, replace that, oh God, with fresh zeal and excitement for Your presence and for the call of God in my life. Father, I pray, fill them once again. Fill them once again. Oh God, let us see Your passion once again through our eyes. Let us feel your passion once again through our hearts. Once again, O oh God, reinvigorate your people. Raise up those strong oak trees in the house of the Lord. Glorify your name. Let the creativity once again come forth like never before. Hallelujah. Now turn to somebody and pray with them and bless them. Take a moment. Just say, Father, bless them. Reinvigorate them. Strengthen them. Come on, right where you're at. God will hear your prayer. He hears prayer. Come on. If you want to get together two or three, do it. Go ahead. Go ahead. Come on. Find a partner. Find a partner and minister. Come on. Hallelujah. Father, pray increase. Increase this ministry. Increase the wisdom of God flowing through them in song. Increase their influence, my Lord. Increase their capacity in you, my God. Move mightily in this ministry, my Lord. Cause the explosive anointing of the Holy Spirit, the signs, wonders, and miracles as they play those instruments, as they sing those songs. As they minister in word, Lord God. As they testify of your goodness, O God. Magnify your name, my Lord. And Father, we'll be careful to give you the glory, the honor, and the praise. Hallelujah.
Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm asked for the um, elders and ministers to please come forward at this point. We're going to take now a, a shift in the service. Let's remain standing because we're about to do something.